0: Hello, intrepid listeners, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse, 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and together with my buddy John, we're going to dive into the world of ancient and forgotten role-playing games. Maybe we'll find gems, perhaps games best left forgotten. Today's topic is Heroes Unlimited, a fantastic Palladium game superhero RPG, which both of us have played and loved for, well, just decades, really. We're going to dump on it a lot, but don't believe us, this game is awesome. If you have a game you'd like to hear us discuss, or if you just want to comment or bug us, visit our blog at systemmastery.wordpress.com or tweet us at, at systemmastery. We now join our scheduled program, already in progress. What I like is the Mutant animal section. That's that's far and away my favorite section of that book. I love that it's basically just a cut and paste entirely from the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles books. So much so that it brings over everything about the setting with it. Like, oh, these guys are horribly persecuted against. None of them have an education except that some of them were raised by ninjas. I don't understand why you didn't think that, oh, I'm making a completely different game. Maybe I shouldn't put Ninja Turtles information in here. Yeah, but that, that would require doing work, and if there's one thing that Palladium is really good at, it is not doing work. Oh, well, you know, unless that work is including forwards. With the mutant animals, it's like, you have to go through this whole extra process, spend forever with this Bio-E system to generate a character, and then when you finally do, you end up with a character that is significantly weaker than, say, an equivalent level non-powered human. Yeah, well, the fact that you're like, okay, what did you make? I made a giant mutant buffalo man. This dude is huge, and he's got horns, and he's badass. Okay, he's also just strictly worse than being a stage magician. Yep. Or count yourself lucky if you actually have any kind of, even a minor superpower, because you're already better than the entire mutant animal section. Which I love the entire minor power section in this book as well. Because it's just a bunch of stupid crap that you wouldn't really care about. It's like add-ons that you would give to a hero. And there's way less of them than there are major powers. And I think the reason for that is because they're less fun to write. Well, it's also, I mean, the problem with it being you have maybe, maybe two major powers in a character. Whereas you have the option of getting... About four or five minor powers. You can actually get to almost six. There's in there. Yeah, you can... There's... Uh, starting mutants can get to six. You can have a character... That's, well, I've got six minor powers. Oh, okay. Well, then what do you got? Uh Enhanced physical prowess. Uh, that's actually pretty good. Enhanced mental affinity. Uh, I, I don't think that does anything. Uh, uh, yeah, man. In case we fight a psychic. Uh, underwater abilities. And the best power in the entire book, clock manipulation. Clock manipulation. I will totally mess with that dude's watch. He is going to be like, oh man, why am I ten minutes late for work? The best thing about the clock manipulation is you know full well that that guy had just finished reading some compendium of unusual superhero powers, because I'm pretty sure there is a famous, like, Charlton or whatever comics character who had that power. Well, you're going to have someone who's like, I'm the clock king! Ah, I'll mess up Gotham's clocks! No one will be on time! (laughs) Ha And he's also apparently played by Wallace Shaw. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, all good villains are. So you have all these awful minor powers, and they're still better than being a mutant animal. Oh, yeah. No, I'd still rather have, like, gliding flight and enhanced speed and x-ray vision than be a bird that probably is doing about as much damage as my punch. This is this is my favorite thing. Because they imported the whole everyone hates mutant animals thing directly over from their old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, if you play as a mutant eagle and you've got wings sprouting out of your back and you otherwise look completely human, because you took human full, which, why would you ever do that? Okay, so you're basically a flying guy. You've got wings sticking out of your back, you have enhanced vision, and you can kind of fly, maybe you've got some talons, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Or, you could play as a minor powers-only mutant superhero. Get winged flight, advanced vision, claws, all that stuff's in the minor section. I think this is called body weapon, right? Yeah. And now you're not persecuted against. In fact, because you have winged flight, the minor superpower, instead of winged flight, the animal mutation, you get a bonus to your physical beauty. Oh, yeah. Everyone's are, like, well, well that pretty. person with wings, you're hot. You, however... I can tell you used to be a canary, and I don't like you. You're an abomination before the Lord. That guy, that guy's a stand-up citizen. And the weird thing is, they added all of this in, and I would understand, you've got the the background of X-Men, so you have this, we persecute mutants thing. I can sort of understand that, but you've also got an alien section, and you could technically be like, what are you, I am an alien that is a bird, just looks like a bird man, walking around, I have all of these powers, I have the exact same but probably better than my bio-e mutant animal counterpart, but no one discriminates against me because I'm an alien and that would be racist. One of the things that I love about Palladium uh, in general is that it's perfectly happy about, I'd say 40% of the time, to give you strict hard and fast rules for how the world is going to operate. It'll tell you things like, everyone persecutes mutant animals, or junkies come off drugs in the exact same way, which makes it unusual when you're reading them, because you're like, well, this seems like a bad idea. But you know in a role-playing game, your DM's not going to spend a ton of time going, well, you are playing a mutant bear, Jim, so it says here I have to send FBI vans after you every 15 melee rounds. Well, the sad part is, when you include something like that, there's going to be some DM going through it who is going to latch on to something like that, who thinks it's an awesome idea to go, oh, you know what, it says in the book that mutant animals are persecuted, and, you know, <laughs> Jim already decided to fuck himself over by being a mutant animal, so I may as well just dick with it. So what we're saying is that they're the paladins of Heroes Unlimited, or the people with the wish spell. <laughs> that's, that's more like it. It's, it's just, well, you decided to do this. I'm going to find every way that I can to mess with you. Well, that's the same thing with paladins, if you think, because, you know, it's always like, all right, you guys raided the dungeon, you killed all the orcs, and there are ten orc babies. They're evil, but killing babies is evil. What do you do, Jim? Uh, pray to my god and ask him what to do? Too late, you're a fighter. Ha ha. damn it. That's... That's just one of those states It's like a Heroes Unlimited catch-22 situation. Do you want to play as this shitty mutant animal? Great. This is an excuse for your DM to mess with you. Uh, not like it really matters all that much. Heroes Unlimited, for all of its awesomeness, and let's let's be clear, it's completely awesome. R- rolling. Oh, man, I sound like such a nerd right there. I'm going to cut that and just say <laughs> awesome again. Uh, it's completely awesome. Dude, guys, you don't understand. He's awesome. 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 <laughs> My retainer got in the way of how much I thought this was awesome. The book is incredibly fun. It's it's really cool to make your awesome character. It's really fun. Um, the rules are stupid. They're they're, they're just they're just stupid. You, what did we determine about doors? Uh, doors. If you are the strongest, supernaturally strong guy in Heroes Unlimited, a, like a peak human is thirty, you're running around with like an eighty-two strength and it's supernatural, if you punch a door as hard as you can, you take two actions to punch that door so it's double damage, there is literally no way you can punch that door down. Yep. So this game, which bills itself as one of those full-on superhero emulators, like Marvel superheroes or champions or any of those hero-playing, role-playing games, has an engine where your character cannot burst through a door. It's it's rather unfortunate, and then a lot of the things that would let you, like, say you have uh, the ability to melt an object, you're able to turn your body into plasma, you can melt through that door. However, it will take you around, and around is 15 seconds, which means for 15 seconds you're just leaning against the door slowly melting through it. It's not exactly the grand entrance that a hero makes. Actually, I prefer to think that it's never that way. That he doesn't know he's leaning on a door and then he falls through every time. Oh! (laughs) ah! (laughs) Curse my plasma form! (laughs) I was just trying to eavesdrop on the bad guys, but (laughs) I guess it's a fight now. Can't lean on anything for more than three or four melee rounds. There you go again. You're in the McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to be in the McDonald's. At least you cut an escape route for everyone else. <laughs> we're free! <laughs> so this is Heroes Unlimited we're talking about. This is an 80s Palladium hero simulator. You know Palladium, probably. They're a medium-small uh, role-playing game company that used to be bigger than, than White Wolf. They are now significantly smaller than White Wolf. The tide has fallen on the Kevin Symbieta Empire. This book, part of the whole megaverse, you can play it with rifts, you can play it with ninjas and super spies, you can play it with any of those is their comic book superhero engine. Uh, you make a character that's almost invariably either going to be human or an alien or robot because it doesn't have your elves and orcs and what have you. And you roll your stats using Palladium Standard Style, which is 3d6 with exploding sixes or something. I think it's on a 16 or higher. You get to roll again. Yeah, yeah. And the stats are almost entirely meaningless. Most of them don't really do anything. I mean, yeah, your mental affinity gives you a chance to resist mental influence or something but it's a tiny chance and it doesn't matter the stat inflation is stupid so you have like nine stats three of which matter you have 10 categories of character power most of which are traps not all and some of them are really cool and i I think you know one of my favorite things about this book this is the second edition that we're talking about i have a first edition copy somewhere i can't I'll, i'll dig it up one of these days but honestly, they didn't change anything between first and second edition. They just layered more stuff on there. Well, yeah, because um, they would even released more books, so they had more things they could steal from other books to throw in there. Yeah. So the first book came with ten categories of power, and I'm not going to try and list them off the top of my head. That's bad podcasting. But uh, is aliens and robots and mutants and guys with generic powers. And, but one of my favorite things they added in the second edition is a whole chapter on what they call mega-heroes and your mega-hero is supposed to be, like, a Superman or, you know, an Incredible Hulk, it's it's a hero beyond the scope of the others. The ones that are supposed to be having those kind of slugfests where they punch each other and then all the windows nearby shatter, that kind of thing. Yeah, which is... I mean, I understand, because rules, as they were put in uh, the first edition, the most you could get was two uh, of the major powers, and really you can't build a Hulk or a Superman or anything like that with just those two powers and maybe one minor. It was was their way to sort of get around that and have it be so that everyone knew if you were allowing someone to be a mega-hero, then you knew that person was going to be the Superman and you're probably going to end up being Robin. Right. And, And so the book actually makes it pretty clear. It just says... Don't let anyone be these. It's, I think, the first part of that chapter. Here's mega heroes. These are heroes beyond your ordinary hero. Don't let anyone play these, because it'll unbalance your game. Okay. No, it won't. The notion that there was ever any semblance of balance in any Palladium game, especially Heroes Unlimited, is is ridiculous. Uh, Your characters are going to be completely varied, and they aren't going to make it. It, Balance is not a factor. This game is so broken that playing it really is more of an exercise of just sort of collaborative storytelling anything else. It's just sort of, oh, I have cool powers, and the DM, when hearing of your cool powers, says, okay, cool things happen, instead of, okay, not cool things happen, because you actually tried to follow the rules in here. Yeah, trying to follow the rules, especially some of the worst things, like, say, being a bionic dude, which is just awful. Oh, uh, it's, it's, you're all, first of all, really drive the nail in about how the the, the notion that this game is balanced in the first place. When you make a bionic character, first you roll your basic stats. You roll your strength and speed and, and, and physical prowess and physical beauty and what have you. Then, the very next thing you do is roll percentile dice for your budget. This is raw power. This determines how much stuff you can buy when you're a bionic or a guy with a supercar or a robot. And it ranges, each one of those has its own range, but it ranges between about $7 million and about $20 million you can spend on stuff, depending on which one you're rolling on. It's raw power. You can buy the same stuff, it's just you get less of it at at character creation. And there's no engine for adding or building more stuff later on in the game, and you don't get to keep all this money, which means you're basically building once. Well, you build one character, and the, the main issue with this being, unless your DM is real nice and says, I'm real sorry that you... Rolled a 7 million, let's go ahead and give you an extra 8 million dollars so that you don't suck. Then your guy is just gonna be bad. Real bad. Like, bad such that you could start with a lower strength than you had rolled by being a bionic person. That's bionic in general. Yeah, the maximum. Actually, that happens anyway. If you have a bionic character. And again, we talked about this, the the peak level of human perfection in this game is a 30. You can get above 30, that's just like the Captain America peak sort of thing. Uh, if you're, like, super strong. If you're the Hulk, then you can get your strength up to the end of the 80s, that sort of thing. But a human can roll a 30, because you can get a 16, or 18, and roll a 6, and then that puts you at 24, and then you get to roll another 6, and now you're at 30, and you're the max strength a human can be. The max strength a bionic can be is 24. Yeah, the... million man, the guy who has bionic arms, is supposed to be this technological marvel better than any human could be, is technically not even a competitor in the World's Strongest Man competitions. No, he can run real fast. They can get like a 200 mile an hour running speeds up and going, but I guess they thought that the 24 strength was super crazy impressive, Uh, and then they forgot that maybe 10 pages later when they got to another part of the book. So they put in maximum strengths for these Bionic characters. They're just terrible. But anyway, to get back to the point, right off the bat, the first thing you roll when you're rolling your Bionics or your robot or your your hardware character is how much money do I have to build my character? And it's just a raw number. And it's... There's no like, well, if you roll 7 million, then your character is smarter. Or maybe he already has another vehicle or something. It's just, nope, you're just $13 million weaker than this other guy. Oh yeah, no, I mean... In a system that already has you rolling randomly for your stats, which is, again, just one of those roll randomly to see if you have any decent power, to then also say, now let's make you roll randomly in your chosen power category to see if you're just worse at it. Yeah. So you could have two characters roll up, both of them say, we want to be robots. We're going to be robot bros. We are both going to be Transformers. You know what? That's what's going to happen. One of them... Goes ahead and rolls. He gets nine million dollars for his budget. And the other guy's got twenty. So now you just have someone that's worse than you in any conceivable way you could want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, granted, that would make perfect Transformers, seeing as how well. there's basically two Transformers that matter. Yeah, but it it also makes for awful role playing. It's oh, like yeah. all of yeah. the uh, the licensed role playing games. It's like we're gonna play the Buffy role playing game. One person can be the Slayer, and everyone else sucks balls. Yeah, uh, I have the Batman role-playing game over here, and and we'll get into that one of these days, and it's from the, like, 70s. It has wicked good art, but on the other hand, it does say, one of you should be Batman, and the rest of them should be his amazing friends, and and make sure that the one player you trust the most is Batman. Make sure the one guy you think won't be the biggest dick is Batman, which never made sense to me, because you really should should give Batman... the hugest dick in your group, who's just gonna be like, "Hey, Robin, I need you to go over there and do a thing for me." That's where all the Robins previously have died.
1: <laughs> I know. I think I've got a good
0: feeling about you. <laughs> oh. So, so okay, back to mega heroes. They warn you that this might unbalance your entirely balanced <laughs> heroes and limited game. And then, okay, so what do you get for being a mega hero? What what's the awesome ultra mega powers you get? Because most of the mega heroes that you're they don't use any licensed words in this game, but the, the references that they're trying to give, put in your mind are Superman and the Incredible Hulk. So, should you be completely invulnerable? Should you uh, be able to fly, uh, jump through space, things like that? So, well, you get two roles. So, one of the roles is, uh, what's your power? And the other role is, what's your weakness? It's hilarious to me that because these are just two random roles, and that Palladium never lets you choose anything. The two random roles, one of them can be, what's your superpower? Oh, well, I am like a god among men. Oh, you mean like you're invincible and super strong? Oh no, people just think I'm a god when they see me. I have- am super charismatic. I'm very charismatic and I remind people of a god. So when I walk through, they're just like, ooh. So that's- that's your superpower. Okay. Tack that onto whatever your other power was going to have been. So you're like, oh, I can- I can fly and shoot lasers out of my feet. Also, people think I'm a god. Okay, well what's your weakness? Uh, I'm a vampire. I have to suck blood every four hours forever or I'll die. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, my weakness is I have an allergic reaction to sunlight, so, eh, or just bright lights. I'm trying to remember what the worst one is, because one of them is just famous, just atrociously bad. And I think it was that your weakness is that you're really, really good-looking. Oh, oh, no, the, transformation. Yeah, the the weakness is you have to transform into a thing. When you transform, you're way more badass, but you have to transform into it. There are no rules for transforming back. You can't just stay transformed forever. You can just stay transformed forever, and because it's Palladium, there's a whole subtable for what your transformation looks like. And one of the, you know, it's things like all your hair falls out, or, of course, you change colors, and there's a random roll table where green is heavily favored, or you have big, rippling muscles, or uh, you only have three fingers, anything like that, stuff like that. I'm making these up. But one of the things on that subtable is you become a bronzed, impressive, godlike being, Plus two d four to your physical beauty, which means that your weakness is that you have to transform into a super hot guy and stay that way. Oh yeah, no. Unfortunately, the only drawback to being a super badass <laughs> is I also have to look really good. You look awesome when you're doing it. I like to think it also transforms your sunglasses and puts a fedora on you. <laughs> no, it, it takes the fedora off of you. That's where the two d four beauty comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it transforms your jorts into some actual slacks. Your fedora disappears. Your neck beard rotates forward twelve degrees. <laughs> oh, I actually have beard on my face. This is an unusual conundrum. Oh, what to do? What to do? Oh, what a drawback! I can't wait to turn back to normal. <laughs> my trench coat disappeared. Now how will anyone know that I am a gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the podcat. Oh, the podcat. <laughs> so, so Mega Hero, kind of a flop. Oh, it does give you one legitimate bonus that you get no matter what, and that is that your strength becomes supernatural. So, now, we've, we've mentioned this a couple of times. This game has... A strength chart that runs from one to a conceivably infinite number. You could have a strength of five thousand. It does. It stops mattering after eighty or so what your strength is. But there's no specific upper limit to how high up it can go. However, because that's not supery enough to just you know say oh your strength is five hundred when you're when you're the Hulk or whatever, they they did it like this. You have normal strength. I, I'm trying to remember what the second rank is. I think it's just called like extraordinary physical strength, which is just a big bonus to your strength and you can lift more. Per it's got strength got more point, more lift and throw, but yeah. not anything particularly impressive after that. Especially since there's not really a whole lot of rules for throwing stuff at people. I mean, there's a table, of course, but mostly it's just, oh, are you throwing a table at them? They take five d six or something like that. And then there's a superpower, major superpower, called supernatural physical strength. Uh, you can you can have both of the powers if you want. You can have extraordinary physical strength and supernatural physical strength. But the result is, when you go onto the supernatural table, is that now you enter a whole new set of strength calculation charts where your punches do even more damage, and you can lift even more. Even if you have a strength of 8, if it's supernatural 8, it's better than that other weak guy with a regular 8. All okay, really real easy to keep track of. So, you know, if you happen to be a supernatural being, you are a dragon or something. Even if you're the weakest dragon, you're, like, strength 10, you're a dragon that is as strong as a dude you're still way better because technically you're supernatural. Right, so that's the one pure, straight-up benefit to being a mega-hero, is that you get supernatural, and your strength, whatever it was, becomes supernatural strength. Yeah. So, mutant animals, mega-heroes, uh, what do you like? What's your What's your favorite thing in this book? I think probably my favorite stupid thing in this book is the entire section that was inspired by ninjas and super spies in that you have a whole bunch of Not actually superhero heroes. So you've got things like, I'm a kung fu master. I'm a spy. I'm a stage magician. So in a game where you have someone that is using actual magic, I cast magic spells, you can also have your friend, who is a stage magician, who's like, yes, you may have created a force field, but I pulled this rabbit out of this hat. The The list of classes in it is hilarious, too. They actually did add a couple for 2nd edition, but the uh, the basics are you've got a Kung Fu Master. That's the first one. I think they changed the name from Kung Fu Master to Ancient Master. Now, it, this is one of my... The biggest travesty of the change to 1st edition to 2nd edition is that the 1st edition book actually came with more tables. If uh, so you were playing as an Ancient Master, and an Ancient Master is exactly what it sounds like. It's... it's uh. Mr. Miyagi. There you, you go. You are the wise old kung fu guy who's way more badass than he should be. Yes. There was there were two tables you could roll on. One of them was how old you are, and the other one was how old you look. So you could play as a character who was, uh, you know, 60 years old, but looked like he was 20 years old because of how good at kung fu he is. However, because they were random tables, and because Palladium didn't think it through, you could play as a 30-year-old kung fu master who looks 50 Yeah, man, that Kung Fu just takes the lot out of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just puts wrinkles right on your face. I like to think that that, if you roll that combination, it's because you actually kind of suck at Kung Fu and you've gotten beaten up. (laughs) You're like one of those post-professional boxers. Oh, no, man, it's because you're using all of your chi into your punches. You're draining your own life force to kick ass. I suppose. I kind of like the idea that he's the guy sitting color commentary on a ring. You know, knows you. You like to think that he's Joe Rogan. Yep, that's what I like to think. I like to think he's a former boxer, just kind of past his prime, just kind of beat up. I mean, granted, it's because he didn't have any powers, and he was entering into a super powered world, and now he hangs around next to Jerry the King Lawler, and he says, "Oh my God!" Yeah, says nondescript things about the fight that's happening. Oh I I think if you, uh, I think if I think if you, I I think if you're waiting, we'll find out the fight is uh, because you know on a Tuesday, (laughs) so. So he's the boxing Madden at that point. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, think, I think in boxing you are you gonna try and hit the other guy, but you you don't want to get hit. <laughs> the person the person who throws throws the most punches. What we need is a game of boxing. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So you got ancient master. There's a uh, super spy.
1: Oh, like, yeah. This, this
0: is just, I, I've got some gadgets. Not as much as the gadget class, but I've got, you know, some gadgets. Oh, yeah. There's a whole hardware section of this book that's got weapon dudes and car dudes and electronic dudes. Um, and then there's this guy, the super spy, who gets a smaller budget and gets to use it to build a supercar. Uh, and I believe he just gets to pick seven things to jam onto the supercar, and they're things like oil slicks and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's straight, it's straight up spy hunter. They, they basically let you build the spy hunter car. No, you, they, they want you to be sort of, that Bond, where he's running around, and he's got a car that can be a submarine and shoot missiles and do oil slicks. I yeah, I, I kind of I feel like they they're trying to set it up so you can play as Nick Fury, or like someone who's not a spy specifically, but but is just a dude who has like a bunch of tech. And because if you want to play as Batman, Fury's a spy. Yeah, hey, okay, he's a spy. I don't know. You're right. James Bond is also a spy, though. Let's let's. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. He's a the super. The problem spy. is that the book has a super spy class. It's a different class. But also, the one that I think they want you to be, if they want you to, you can be like a Batman, is this thing called Hunter Vigilante. And this was, also the Punisher, is what you'd be going for with this. This is a dude who, in their book, you'd learn to be a big game hunter, and then he's like, uh, but now I use it to track man. <laughs> the most dangerous game. Uh-huh. it's an awful, awful class. It gives you nothing. Most of these other human-only kind of regular dude classes at least give you some table or roll-on when you want to do something that the other stuff doesn't. This one's just some skills. Well, that, that was the issue with a lot of the, like, the vigilante or the spy, for the most part, or the stage magician, is it's just a skill package. Yeah. It's, you've got these skills, they're higher than they would normally be, and you've got a few skills that sort of only exist for this class, but they're all things like, I've got prestidigitation, or I've got advanced computer hacking. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, oh, I'm an expert hacker. Oh, okay, so does that mean that you've just basically told the DM that he better put some hackable computers into the game? Because it feels, anytime you get a power like that, or a skill like that, it feels like a hook. Like, all you've done is just taken a useful hook for the DM. Like, said, hey, my character hacks computers. I don't put computers in the game. Stupid. Want to make thing about punching. And the unfortunate thing is, if you have a character that's, say, you went into the, uh, the Gadgeteer thing, and you went, yes, my guy is a hacker, that's what you've got. You're a hacker. That's all you do. So if he wants to have, you know, Abomination is tearing up the city, you need to go stop him. You're like, I'll, I'll hack it, that guy. I'll, uh,. I'll make sure that the media doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, it. I'll save. I'll save civilians by changing the stoplights. <laughs> you, you. unfortunately don't really have anything and are at that point relegated to being an NPC. You're a guy with a gun, is what it is. Because just like every other Palladium game, there's a million rules for every kind of gun you've ever heard of, and everyone's got enough money to buy them, and you can learn to use them real easily. So there you go. You're a guy with a gun. You, you, abominations rampaging through the city I'll inflict STC damage on him until he falls. I hope he doesn't look at me. Yeah, and it it just is very... Of course, the main thing with Palladium is unbalanced. Hmm. You've got one side, one guy randomly rolled and he ended up being an alien with all sorts of superpowers. He can shoot down planes with his thoughts, and he's got strength enough to throw a back truck at a dude. And then this guy rolled up and he's like, I'm a bionic man. I have I can run fast and I can shoot a laser that does about as much damage as a punch out of my eye. One of the best things in the in the bionic section by by country mile is the claws. You can get claws, you can get cool robo wolverine claws that come out of your that snicked out of your wrist. They do two D four damage. Yeah. Now your punch at that level should do way more than 2d4 damage. And these don't add to your punch. They are just, now you do 2d4 damage. Oh, yeah. If you were even remotely trained or strong, then claws would just be a terrible option. Terrible. And and, and I think, when I'm saying 2d4, I think they actually do, like, 1d6, and it's the giant claws that do 2d4. To get to 2d4, you have to be playing as, like, a 13-foot-tall robot. Yeah, and even even that. Let's say you know you're given punch. You're just some dude. It's a D4, which means that a guy stabbing you with huge metal knives is doing about two damage more than you on average. Yeah. On average. Yeah. It, it's it's they really didn't think their damage calculations through. Is what it comes down to. One of the things you'll notice when you're playing through any of the Palladium games is that they love the times ten moniker. Uh, you'll see a lot of stuff that does 3d6 times 10 plus 10, and and so on, which is a huge, crazy, swingy amount of damage. It's it's between 40 and 190, Yeah, and, and they love that sort of thing. You'll see a lot of stuff that does the, the low, useless weapons, the ones that you see in the book and summarily ignore, do anywhere between 1d4 and 2d4, and sometimes up to 3d6. Then you start getting into the real guns that matter, the heavy energy weapons, the micro-missiles, all that kind of junk that does into the times 10 range, the so D6 times 10. Now, you're still going to feel like a moron when you deal 10 damage to something. Oh, yeah. You know, you take a missile, shoot it at a guy, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Oh, you, you took about as much as if I had hit you with a baseball bat. That is unfortunate. This reminds me. Let's talk physics. Let's talk Kevin Symbieta's understanding of numbers and physics. Because it's <laughs> awesome. Let's see. Uh, his nuke. This is my favorite thing in any Palladium book because it is the same table for rifts, just copied over to Heroes Unlimited. He has a huge long list of these are mini missiles. He loves his missiles. Micro missiles, medium missiles, long range missiles, and so on. For a long range, basically intercontinental ballistic missile, a nuke hits a place, it does 3d6. Times 10 damage. What's the radius? And the radius is like 500 feet. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's actually less. I believe it's a 50-foot internal blast radius. <laughs> and then it does half damage at, at a range outside of that. And it, it, so what he's saying is that your basic ICBM, you know, the, the, the Russians shoot a bunch of missiles at us, they will destroy a 7-Eleven. Except they won't. 3D6 times 10 falls under that category of strength earlier that we were talking about that has no chance of destroying a door. Oh, yeah. No, if you rolled 3d6 times 10 and you're like, oh, what did I get? I got, like, 80 damage because I didn't roll particularly amazing. That didn't even blow a door off its hinges. Mm-hmm. I nuked, I directly nuked a building, and the building was like, eh. Oh, my paint. Hey, wait a minute, I may have lost a shingle or something. <laughs> it's so, it, his physics understanding is is hilarious. One of the things, and, and might as well diverge into Riff's, because who gives a shit? One of my favorite things in, in, in the Riff's book, if you read it, is uh, the, the the iconic Glitter Boy. The, the huge, silver, shiny mech. It was so popular in the late 80s into the early 90s that there were a lot of people with shirts of it. You'd see that cool little, like, gas mask tube face um, of the robot. And it has a boom gun, which is a big rail gun that fires, you know, it's a magnet. If you're a nerd and you're listening to our podcast, you know what a railgun is. It exce- uses magnet uh, lines to accelerate pieces of metal to crazy yeah. super high speeds. How crazy super high? Well, tell us, Captain Symbieta. How fast do the bullets come out of a boom gun? It, it's going to go at, like, Mach 2? Yeah, yeah, Mach 2. About about 1,000 miles an hour, give or take. Maybe 1,100. Yeah. Really? Because <laughs> that's, that's how fast bullets go. That's just... <laughs> you just... You just shot me. That's all you did. (laughs) That's all that is. You have a crazy gun that you need to recoil and stamp yourself into the ground so it doesn't blow you 500 yards backwards and it it shoots at the speed of a regular gun? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. That's that's basically your heroes for you as well. I've got the strength of a regular man. Oh, you're a hero. I will shoot you with the power of a gun. And, you know, I kind of understand why they were going for with this. Like, like, you know, y- y- it could be very difficult to build a full-on superhero simulator with your Batmans and your Punishers and so on, where your character doesn't just die immediately. Like, you can't, you know, the Punisher versus the Hulk is a dumb fight. Yeah. Because the Hulk's going to get that one punch in and, ah, it's over. Well, there you, you go. You can't take a punch. So you got to have some measure of superheroic resilience so that your character isn't a joke. And, I, you know, that's fine. I can understand that. Uh, they did it the wrong way. They did it with damage. So your damage feels shitty. And it, it shouldn't. It should feel like it's insane how hard you can punch. Like, oh my god, you, you punched that car into another car. And then also when you punch the Punisher, he goes flying across the room and doesn't die. Yeah. Instead, it's everything you punch just kind of goes, well, oh, really you better do that 50 to 70 more times. Yeah, The given the values of certain things for how much damage you can take versus how much damage you deal, it ends up being that in this alternate universe where these superheroes live, You live in a world where everything is insanely difficult to damage. Like, you have to be a superhero to damage anything. Like, I have to imagine that it was just... Tech was the superior thing here. And you were just like, oh, what happened? This train is the world's most amazing war weapon. Because it doesn't matter what you shoot it with. If you hit it with a rocket, it will... Fuck you up. You cannot nuke this train. Also, it's completely impossible to hijack an airplane. Like, completely, because you cannot damage the airplane. Oh, no. You could fly it into a building, and neither of them would take any <laughs> measurable damage. Yeah. nine eleven would have just been bonk, fall. Yeah. Plane falls, everyone's like, well, that sucked. Ow! I hey. took a D6 times 10 falling damage. <laughs> you totally broke a window on that <laughs> building, Dick. <laughs> It's just mad because they're late. Yeah. You know, someone comes by, some superhero's like, Oh, I'll just lift this plane, set it back over there. Thanks, man. I'm gonna go now. Oh, no, because it's in New York. It'll be some guy making a joke about how the parades are getting crazier every year. (laughs) New Yorkers, right? Am I right? Planes just falling down on Fifty First Street. Oh, man, I wonder what the line of offensive is here. Oh, shit, I don't care how much I offend New Yorkers. Oh, That's good, that's good. I actually don't know where 51st Street is in relation to New York. It, like, <laughs> there, there is one, I'm sure. Uh, of course, but it's one of those things where if you're from New York, you assume everyone in the world knows everything about the five boroughs and so on, and... So you're always talking about, like, you know, Boston and Yonkers and with Boston, what Boston... Boston! <laughs> Yonkers, which is also not in the Five Boroughs. You know... Look how good when, at this I am. When you're from New York, you're always talking about Chicago. You know what? Okay, first of all, Boston's in Massachusetts. Um, se- second of all, I took all my knowledge of New York from people yelling at each other about tunnels in action movies. <laughs> that's that's where all of my knowledge about New York comes from. Every uh, Everything's from, like, the 1994 Godzilla movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all of my knowledge of New York comes from Taxi Driver and Godzilla. Yeah. Godzilla and Taxi Driver. I'm trying to think of any other examples. I mean, Woody Allen films. Anything like that, where they're just talking about New York as if everyone's going to figure... Oh, oh, um, uh, any movie where an asteroid is going to hit New York. I know all about those, because I know that asteroids oh. are often the size of either... Manhattan Island if they're a small asteroid, or Texas if they're a large asteroid. Yeah, these, those, these are your two measurements. Yeah, those are the golf ball-sized hail descriptors, which goes from golf ball to grapefruit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where all my knowledge... That's why when I say 51st Street, <coughs> I don't fucking know. I just know that in Godzilla, they were constantly yelling about parades and shit, because, oh, it's so funny that New Yorkers are all wry. Eh, uh, New York. Yeah. yeah, okay, we're on a wild digression. here. <laughs> Yeah, so, Heroes Unlimited. uh, Is it fun? I love Heroes Unlimited, and I think it's fun for, like, a one- or two-shot game. You pretty much don't want to get attached to any character unless your DM has very strictly gone through and tried to balance out everyone. It's unlikely that your character's going to die, because, again, nothing does any damage. The reason you really shouldn't get attached to a character is because there's no progression. No, your character never gets any better at anything. I mean, yeah, there's levels you can get from level one to level fifteen, but that only affects a virtually meaningless hit point score. Um, the only people who care about that are wizards. magic users yeah. because your spell levels will go up, and uh, if you're one of those psychics. weird psychics because you get your more power, and weird weird uh, mutants because they have there's a couple mutant charts you can roll on where like. Oh, well, if you gained a level, then you gain another minor power or something. Or maybe you lost one. Or yank. Who, <laughs> Who knows? Fuck you. <laughs> um, so levels don't matter. They mostly just affect your awful, awful, overgranular skills. Um, so the, really the big problem is playing your character for more than two levels of regular progression is boring. No, it would, it would be like if you started out, you played D&D, you have a 10th level character, and you never gain a level. Yeah, and... Or you keep gaining levels, but all you do is get hit points. Yeah, and magic items that you find don't work as well as your powers, so why would you have them? That's that's kind of what it's like. Well, um, it's not even... It's basically like, you have a plus one sword. All that exists in this universe that matters to you is a plus one sword. You will never upgrade this. Yeah. So, it's definitely... It's really fun, though. It's really... Like, we've we've been shitting on it a lot, but that's because we love this game and we know the ins and outs of it. The random tables are hilarious. It's really fun to roll randomly and see what nonsense you come up with, and then try to try to build your character around the insane shit you just rolled. And it's, it's one of my favorite things. I love random tables because it forces creativity upon the player to take, okay, what did I roll? I rolled this random, weird assortment of either powers or what I look like, and it makes you come up with a theme to try and tie it together. One of the, uh, characters in a Heroes Unlimited one-shot I did, my friend rolled randomly for everything, so he got, uh, natural weapons, he got night vision, he got burrowing, he got a bunch of, like, enhanced minor abilities. I can see where this is going. And he became the Night Badger. (laughs) And it was great. He was sort of like a shitty Wolverine knockoff. He had the Badger Cycle. And he would fight crime as the Night Badger. And that was awesome. Yeah. We did a one-shot a while back, some of our mutual friends, although you you didn't manage to make it, where I had everybody forced Because I was saying, it's a one-shot game. Normally, my role-playing game style is I like to let people make their choices and build their character, because I want the character to last. But this was a one-shot. I really wanted to play with the goofiness. And so Heroes Unlimited was a perfect system. So I said, you guys each get a half hour with the books, roll up completely random characters, and then... The only guideline I want is that I want you to play them as parody patriotic. Uh, and so I had uh, our, our mutual friend rolled up a character who had a godlike aura. yeah, magnetism. People, not magnetism, magnetism, magnetism but literally char- charisma. He had a godlike aura and commanding voice. He had feathered wings, and he could shoot lightning out of his eyes. And so taking the whole patriotism thing, he thought about it for a while, and he said, I'm going to play as a Southern Baptist preacher. And I'm going to name him the Religious Right, and it was awesome. It was such a great character. It was really fun. It's like a s- soft-spoken Southern, God-fearing angel who shot lightning out of his eyes, which was handy because he never put down his Bible. Yeah, <laughs> I think Heroes Unlimited really lends itself to fun play. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not a game for did you want to make a super serious, you know, Frank Miller esque. Like, we are going to take ourselves way too seriously game. On the other hand. (laughs) (laughs) If you really want to just make some horse, horse, horse. (laughs) whores. But I think if all you're looking for is, I want to be able to roll up some stupid powers. I want to make a guy that fights crime and has some buddies. You don't care if your guy is awful and your friend is great because you're only going to be around for one session. That's fine. Right, and you can throw yourself at the enemies because you don't care. It's perfect for... What it basically is, is it's the best game around for non-campaign play. Yeah, if you just want to say, you know what, Uh, we've been playing our standard game for six months, we haven't really done anything else, it's been real heavy, I want to just do a one-shot, kind of dick around, have some fun. It's a perfect system to quickly roll up everything you would need to know. And I mean everything. Like, you can determine randomly on tables where they live, how much they make, what their background was, what their personality is, their disposition towards things. Everything can be determined by that if you're just like, I don't even want to figure out anything about this character. I'm pretty sure one of the results on one of the tables is modest four-door sedan. Yeah, so so that oh, gives yeah. you an idea of exactly how granular this game can get. But it's all unnecessary. It's fun to sit around and roll that shit and be like, oh, my character appears to be a genial but schizophrenic person from uh, above 51st Street in Boston. And <laughs> let's call back. And, uh, <laughs> and, that's what uh, we do. That's what we do. And, and uh, he drives a modest two-door sedan. I rolled kind of low on that one. And, and Does any of this matter? No, no. No, it matters about as much as it matters what Thor drives. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's hilarious that it's in there, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It, it, so, basically, about two-thirds of the book you could play without. You just need the powers, and maybe the tables to build robots, and aliens, and then that's it. Because also, one of the fun things about Palladium games is that they've never really gone in for the monster manual style of having enemies. Enemies are just characters. You just roll up a bunch more characters and have your players fight them. Yeah, which can lead to some issues because you want to have, in a play team type game, you want to have a challenge for your other players. But when you're making villains that are essentially just also PCs in terms of what their power level is, you're going to end up coming up with stuff that Has a very real possibility of just killing a dude, right? I mean, Heroes Unlimited is a particularly egregious example of this because there isn't even a section at the back of the book that's like, "These are the stats for a policeman," or "These are the stats for uh, a thug." It's just the book just ends with like, you know, an advertisement to buy Aliens Unlimited. Um, So there's really not a whole lot to get to go on for what your enemy should be like. Presumably, you just fight other supervillains, and that's fine. Uh, riffs books and so on will add a section of like, you know, here, here's, a uh, here's fury beetles and here's, uh, ostrasauruses and neuron beasts and all this other junk, which isn't a player character, but it's built in the exact same way. Like, you know, if you look at a neuron beast stats and a fury beetle stats and riffs, it's IQ, 1d4, ME, 1d4 plus 1, and so on. So you're still expected to kind of go through this painstaking process of building a monster, which you do not need to do. No. You don't even need to roll M E for your actual character. Yeah, the the issue with it is you have all of these tools, I mean probably at least seventy-five percent of the book to eighty percent is just crunch. It's just numbers, skills, powers, weapons, cars, whatever. References to other palladium books. And yeah. then nothing to use it on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a problem. That's one of those things that was solved way before Palladium ever came into existence. Um I mean, monster manuals have been around for a long goddamn time. And you really feel like this could use an update, even if Symbieta is married to his horrible, shitty system, oh, having yeah. an update of, here's some ideas for things... Which you only get in weird supplemental stuff. Oh, yeah. It's it's hilarious. I have Rifts 2nd Edition. I, th- it's, I think they just call it Ultimate Edition. I have Heroes Unlimited 2nd Edition, and I have uh, Palladium Fantasy 2nd Edition. Only one of them actually changes the rules at all, and that's Palladium Fantasy 2nd Edition. Heroes Unlimited 2nd Edition uses the exact same rules as here. It's just more stuff. They just bolted more stuff in there and called it a new edition. Yeah. Um... And the Rift 2nd edition is exactly the same, except they put an advertisement for the N-Gage. Oh, I love that. I have the color N-Gage ad in my copy of the book. And, and, um, the class that was in the N-Gage game. Yeah, you you, you remember the N-Gage? That classic, beloved gaming system that gamers the world over still love and adore? I really feel like that thing could be just part, like, the first part of the documentary about what happened to Palladium in general. It's just a story of N-Gage and embezzlement. Yeah. <laughs> because Symbiata is dumb about money. They tied themselves to the N-Gage and made an exclusive property rights to put uh, for that to be their video game system. And they put out a game that by all rights is not terrible. I've heard it compared to... I've never played it myself, but I've heard it compared to the Nintendo-era Shadowrun game, like that style of role-playing game system. But good luck finding it. Uh, it's on an N-Gage. Yeah. <laughs> um... That kind of killed a lot of money for them, and then there was a huge embezzlement scam. I don't, I don't even know if there's new Palladium books coming out anymore. I know they're still in print, uh, so which means that really this shouldn't even be a valid target for our show. Uh, but whatever. And um, yeah, they're still in print. cb 8 is still around. I met one of the one of the Riffs guys at the last comic convention. In yeah, he's really nice, and they really did love their system, even if it is goofy, crazy bullshit, and. We know it is. I've uh, got half my bookshelves over here is given over to crazy old Palladium books. I love them. I love their 10-year-old sensibility. I love their... Uh... And, and not their sensibilities are 10 years older than what we have now, but the sensibilities of a 10-year-old. Oh, yeah. yeah Everything was... is like, oh, you know what would be awesome? Would have a, it's a dinosaur, and it's got a huge cannon on it, but it's it's from another dimension. It's not like a normal dinosaur. Oh, Yeah. Well, I'm going to fight that with a giant skull, that's it's also a spider. So, what do you think of that? Uh, I, 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 I'm going to play as a wizard, and he's from Africa, and you can make your mind bleed. Oh, dude. Right. It's awesome. It's awesome to read these crazy old classes. It really feels like looking at the doodles that you put on your Trapper Keeper when you were 12. That's what the whole game is. It's... It's it, t- it is Kevin Cymbiata's Trapper Keeper, given rules. Yeah, and we've got... I, I We aren't really doing a rating system in this podcast yet, but if I was, I would give this game two thumbs up. Yeah, Heroes Unlimited <laughs> gets two thumbs up from me, and then an additional thumbs down, because in my rating <laughs> system, I have three thumbs. Because them, I am a mutant. I am a mutant, and I rolled a third arm, which you can't do. <laughs> I, I give it a 37... Percent on my percentile dice. Thankfully, my good rating is a thirty-nine percent. You know what? I think we should give ratings to all the games that we review in the uh, in the structure of the game that we are reviewing. So I would say I'm going to give this game a plus twenty-one to parry. I'm going to give this game six random tables out of ten. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, this has been our superhero review. We're rounding up on about an hour of talking endlessly about it. Uh, next time, we will take a shot at something else. I know you've got that Buffy the Vampire Slayer RPG you'd so like to discuss. Good. Uh I, of course, really want to dig into my Batman the role-playing game. Uh, I think at some point we should break back out of licensed games. Maybe we'll talk about something... I have a copy of Tales of the Floating Vagabond. I'm sitting on. That's that's some crazy bullshit. Oh boy! Or or a really fun one. I have Steve Jackson's tune. Oh boy! Yeah. So look for us on <laughs> your Twitter feed, or uh, we will somewhere tweet the Facebook somewhere we're on your web zone. We're gonna twit pick a vine of this to uh, your instant instant grams. Gra- instant grams. Oh, dude, delicious instant grams stay crunchy even in milk. I don't even think they start crunchy in the first place. I (laughs) think they're just powder, and then you add something to them, and they become grams. Mm. Or you get a full gram of it. It's like a drug. (laughs) If my pictures were a drug, I'd sell it by the Instagram. What's up? That's right. That is a Vanilla Ice line. Wow. Vanilla Ice Instagram-related line. Hell yeah. I think he was pretty much out of his cultural relevance by the time Instagram came into power. Dude, I should totally he... tweet at Vanilla Ice. Isn't he friend of the Juggalos Vanilla Ice now? I think that's actually true. <laughs> friend of the Juggalos. Yeah, I think he actually has that under his name bar in his, the MMO of his life. Like, it's, Yeah, well, I mean, someone needs to be friend of the Juggalos. After the white man almost hunted them to extinction. Yeah. <laughs> the great Juggalos of the Plains. <laughs> you know, what's great is that they basically do occupy the same relative dimensions each... And also the same geographic location. Oh, yeah. It's like Buffalo became Juggalo so slowly we hardly even noticed. <laughs> well, it spent about 30 bioe and went from a Buffalo into a <laughs> Juggalo. <laughs> Human looks. Partial. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, folks. Good night. <laughs>